Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Sano, joined, as always, by the Davy Crockett to my Buffalo Bill. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, there's a building I'm supposed to remember, but I forgot it. Yeah, and our very own Wyatt Earp. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing? Uh, you know, my favorite joke about the Wyatt Earp movie with Kevin Costner was, Wyatt's so long. Boo. Boo. Hey, you know what? You didn't Boo. think of Buffalo Bill, you know... Uh, <laughs> She was a great big fat lady joke, Kevin. I'm a little disappointed in you. I was saying Boo Earns, actually. Um, so I was too busy making up for getting the Alamo joke. Deal with it. <laughs> oh, no. So the, the Seahawks uh, this week, uh, vol- a voluntary team activities started. All, almost everyone was there. A few people, notably absent, uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, a couple other guys. But big time uh, player who players who were absent, Dallas DJ Dallas, sorry, I almost said Dallas Cowboys because of the cowboy intro. Uh, <laughs> DJ Dallas and Travis Homer were uh, were absent because DJ Dallas got married and Travis Homer was in the wedding. Teammates doing it, I love it. Very sweet. Yeah, love it. That that uh, do you backfield? Yeah, the University of Miami backfield reunited in Seattle and now reunited in DJ Dallas's wedding. Uh, pretty awesome. So also today there was a corresponding roster move. So Travis, uh, we signed Travis Toivonen from Fan Controlled Football. Uh, he was a 2020 UDFA. He, he participated in Minnesota's Pro Day. Uh, we had to cut Nick Gagamos to complete roster space. So it's the end of the Goog era. How do we feel, boys? Oh, Gugamos, we barely knew you. Like, completely didn't really ever even know you. So uh, Pete Carroll coached his dad. Do you think this was just like a big like uh, workaround favor for uh, for his dad? No, he was the kind of like size, weight, speed, like high weight, speed guy that we always sign. Like the the more surprising thing is they didn't let him catch catch enough go balls for all the Seattle uh, fans to want him to make the team, even though he wasn't ready to be a receiver. Yeah, and the thing is, too, he had so many his uh, relative athletic score. You know, ninety ninth percentile, ninety is like it was crazy for a tight end. He has a crazy athletic profile for a tight end. He got ninety ninth percentile. Uh, so it's pretty nuts. Uh, but maybe Russell Wilson threw to him once and was like, "Nah, chief, this ain't it." <laughs> I, I don't know. The guy we signed, um, he his composite size grade great. Uh, he's very tall, very very big. Uh, but his composite speed grade is poor. Uh, he's not super fast uh, or agile in the relative athletic sense, in the sense of NFL football players. 40-yard dash, uh, he ranked uh, 1,987th out of 2021 uh, on on this website. That's bad. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So that should just kind of give you an idea of uh, where he's at. Uh, but you know what? Guys like this with this speed profile, make it, you know, Keenan Allen ran a slow 40, uh, Cooper cup ran a slow 40. So, uh, you know, he got five touchdowns in fan controlled football. Maybe it's his time to shine. Everyone, you guys ready? Was he playing for Marshawn's team? He, I can't remember. <laughs> I do know that he had like a nickname. Uh, he had like a nickname in, uh, in fan controlled football. Everyone called Hi, him you. a Trav daddy. Trav, that's uh, a perfect. All right, I'm out. <laughs> Uh, he went. He went. He went to North Dakota. He's Trav Daddy. Oh God, um, that's right up there with Craw Daddy from. Uh, uh, let's the see. Wait, let me see what team he played for. Uh, let me. Let me. Let me uh, figure that out real quick. I'm watching a video of him playing, and he's wearing a. He's literally 
announcing the what happened in the play, but he's wearing a fan controlled football shirt, so I can't even tell what team he's on because he's not wearing <laughs> the team shirt. He's wearing the league shirt. Yeah, you oh, gotta boy. figure out what Trav Daddy plays for. Uh, I'm done. Uh, that sounds like something. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. Your I nickname, your nickname, should not sound like it belongs on a tramp stamp. That is not a good nickname. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, some some news came out of camp today, though. The guys the guys were participating in the voluntary activities. Uh, Marquise Blair and Darrell Taylor were full participants in practice, full go. Uh, which which returning player are you more excited for, Eric? Marquise Blair or Darrell Taylor? Uh, Darrell Taylor, because I don't know. Marquise- I actually think it's I actually think it's Daryl. I just know someone named Darrell, so like I it's like ingrained in my brain to say that name that way. I actually don't know. I've been calling him Darrell Taylor off and it's, on. It's Daryl. I watched an I watched a oh. I watched a video where uh, the John Schneider. So either John Schneider's messing it up and I'm right, which I doubt. <laughs> so Daryl Taylor. Can we just do that for the summer? Just ride that line pretty hard. <laughs> then I'm right and then he's wrong. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get his stuff together. Until we get a night game and they show him saying his own name, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> then then you'll then we'll all be screwed up. No, uh, I wanna I wanna see what Taylor can do. I mean, we've talked a lot about this guy. Um he's a defensive end, which let's face it, we have a lot of them on the team. We don't know what we have in most of them, how good we're gonna be. I'm still really worried about our pass rush. I will believe it when we when I see it, and I want it to be consistent. Marquise Blair was a guy I was really excited for, and now I feel like, will he make the team? Not a lock. Oh, you don't even think he's a lock to make the team? I just don't. I I feel like he's he's not good enough that he can't be replaced by some by a trade or someone beating him out and showing us a lot. It's unlikely, um, but I'm not. I just don't think he's a lock. I would be surprised. Just there's like four. There's a clearly like four safeties making this team, and then there's like no one past that. I agree. I agree. But I'm just so, saying, with any move we make, yeah, it could be for a safety. Could happen. All right, uh, Kevin. Who are you most excited for, Blair or uh, Taylor? Uh, I'm excited for Taylor just because I think I have a good idea of what Blair is, and that is a really athletic, really interesting safety. I mean, I have no idea what Daryl Taylor is. He could be anything. He could be could a boat. Be anything. Yeah. Like uh, he could he could come in and immediately be our best pass rusher, and I would not be surprised. He could come in and immediately be like, uh, <laughs> "This is a actually surprisingly deep group of pass rushers they've assembled now." Like, I really just, like this college tape. Just, I know I liked it a lot more than you. <laughs> they just kept adding to this group of pass rushers. You know what I mean? Like, it just like keeps going, and now they have like Alden Smith, Kerry Hyder, Carlos Dunlap. Uh, Benson Moyoa, like D- Daryl Taylor, like this is like a very he's like fifth probably in the pecking order for for de- oh, sorry for defensive end snaps and it's like that's crazy that a second round pick that we because we we just it's because we just kept adding guys right just kept adding guys to the roster kind of uh, crazy but you're right he could be anything he's like it's a total unknown what he'll look like in a Seahawks uniform which is somewhat exciting I can dig it. Uh, all right, I'll stump for Marquise Blair because no one else did. I'll stand up for him. If uh, you say so. I was very excited about him playing uh, nickel corner because it gets more safeties on the field, and I felt like we had a really talented safety group. And I like the idea of Adams, Diggs, and Blair all playing at the same time as kind of interchangeable pieces that can be moved around the field and create confusion for uh, for off- uh, opposing offenses. Um Breaking so. news. Travis Toivonen 
played for the Zappers. Well, you, 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 Kevin's been hard at work figuring that out. That is, that is what I just spent a lot of time doing. Okay, but who is the, who is the, who is the Zappers owner? The Zappers, uh, Trevor May, Dalvin Cook, um, Bob Maneri, Ronnie Singh, and, uh, Stephen Delanartis. So, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is one that you would know, yes. Yeah. And then the, the champion of fan controlled football was the Glacier Boys. Or was it the Wild Aces? I can't remember. Wow. I, I, you did not tell I me mean, to look that one up. I was not looking that one up. <laughs> there uh, are limits I know, to what I'm looking up. <laughs> I know there were only four teams, and then they had it. They did a, they did, they played a round robin and then did a tournament. <laughs> so it's like, which is like so weird. Sure. There, there's only four teams. The team that went three and one in the round robin was the, the winner of the round robin part, lost in the first round of the playoffs to the one and three teams. So that's uh, certainly a thing. Okay. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got guys coming back. Also DK Metcalf was the, uh, the extended interview today. Afterwards, he talked a little bit about a bunch of things, including calling Shane Waldron's offense, a whole new offense. Do you think this is a bit of gamesmanship from DK or do you think that it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be totally different than what we expect. Not just a kind of a cookie cutter of the Rams offense. Oh, Kevin, you want to go first? You want me to go? Why don't you take it? I'll, I'll just say this. I think I think DK's got the the right intentions in what he's saying. I think he's I think he's honest enough, but he's only probably looking at face value. And I don't I don't mean that like D, DK can't read a playbook or anything, but I I don't know how much he's studied the Rams offense. Um I again, it's I'm going to have to really see something that is going to blow us away. I mean, we kind of looked like we were blown away at the beginning of last season. And then the end of the season, it came out like, Oh, we teams figured us out and we weren't very good. And so again, it's a, it's going to be a, a long road. Number one, I really hope DK did it to the tune of a whole new world from Aladdin. Uh, Number two, uh, I do think there's a really good chance that this is new, as in it's something that he hasn't seen before. I think it is going to be a pretty drastic departure from last year. And the big thing is, even when the offense was humming along, we talked about how like the in-game adjustments were not good. It just became a glaring problem as the season went along. So I'm willing to per- permit myself to feel a lot better. I think Nathan made a really good point earlier, right after the hiring, that this is a guy who is in a really good position as an offensive coordinator. He wasn't going to come over here and not get the keys to the car, you know? And so I think there's a really good chance he's coming over here. He has an offensive design and... He comes from a system and a background that tells me he's going to be more creative than you know, Shoddy. As much as there were things I liked about his possible tight end usage and some other things, he's the ultimate retread. Like he is the perfect example of, you know, NFL coaches don't leave the league. They just leave the team. And this is a guy who there is a good chance he's coming in with something fresh and interesting. Yeah. So, um, also in this DK Metcalf interview, he said um, they asked him about Julio Jones, of course, and he said, uh, you know, it would have been great to have Julio. He's a great player. Uh, me, Julio, Tyler, and Carson would have been the most unstoppable offense. He went to play with my uh, my old teammate, AJ, in Tennessee, 
but week two, we're going to kick their uh, ass. So, so, so uh, that's what, that's what DK had to say about that. So I want to take your pulse DK's pulse. There he is. That's how he feels about the Julio trade saga. How do you guys feel about how it all played out? Uh, how are you feeling right now, Eric, about the uh, Julio Jones trade saga? I don't know. I'm a little sad. We, we on this podcast, we get, we get pretty excited because we're smart and we look at all possible avenues and likely avenues. Did I think we were going to get Julio? When it came out that we were in the mix, yeah, I was, I was like sixty percent in, maybe sixty five that we were going to get him. Now, looking at what they gave up, I don't think that was probably the issue. I think we probably asked Atlanta to take on some money, and they were like, "No." So, uh, well, Atlanta can't really take on money. I bet I, I have an actual theory. Oh, on we that. couldn't, we couldn't really take on money either. They, <laughs> I, I think twenty twenty two. 2022 draft picks are very valuable because uh, there's going to be an enlarged pool of players to choose from comparatively because guys went back uh, for that for the free year or whatever. And so we've got we've got this thing now where they give me extra guys. And I think that um, the rumor is that they had a, an offer that included a first round pick in hand. That's that that was the rumor from the first day. Right. Mm-hmm. That like uh, that I think it was from us, I think. But I think it was a two years from now first round pick a 2023 first and they were like well what can you lace up for us in 2022 and john schneider was like nothing they're like uh what nothing and he's like yeah nothing i'll give you 2023 first and they were and they were <laughs> and they were like well uh i want 2022 third or second and 2023 fourth more because that's what they got instead and i think that's fair uh, to be honest with you like that's that's fair to Kicking the can that far down the road when you have older Matt Ryan is, and they didn't draft his replacement this year. They had a full on opportunity to do it and they just yep. passed. So I think it's fair for them to be like, Hey, we want 22. Now from a personal level, I was sad because yeah, like, like you said, as a Julio Jones dynasty owner, it would have been horrible for him to be on the Seahawks because he's probably the third option in the offense. Now he goes to a place where he's the second option better for, it's better for my, uh, my wanting Julio to put up stats. <laughs> But uh, it's bad for Seahawks. This would have been it would have been a great trade. Uh, I think people people have this idea that Julio is like really washed, and I think he's really got like two more really good years left, and then and then it will start to really fall off. But uh, yeah, it was I was a little sad, a little little just a little, not a lot, just a little, because now we have money to play with going into the uh, cut slash. You know, there's still guys around that I'm interested in: Geno Atkins, Richard Sherman, KJ Wright, kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Kevin, I know you're. I know you're looking at some of those guys I just said. Were you Were you feeling happy because of that, or were you sad? I mean, that's the thing. I felt like if we could have picked him up for a reasonable price, I would have been really happy. And if we use the same resources to improve in a couple other spots, I'd be really happy. I mean, you know, I, I'm with you. Julio's not washed. Julio's still a top flight receiver. Julio losing half a step takes him from a top three wide receiver to like a top ten wide receiver, top fifteen. Yeah, so, so I actually listed ooh. out all the wide receivers like in order that I thought how good they are, and I had I had Julio eleventh. Like, there you go. I, don't, I don't think that's like su- I don't think that's like super unreasonable. And I was like, and then how much does he move down this list? Maybe next year he's like eight sixteenth, and then the year after that he's like twenty third. You know, but the when you list all the wide receivers out, you, it gets bad pretty. <laughs> fast. You know, you'll be surprised how 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 dicey it gets. Or at least pretty it's not quick. elite. Yeah, you're, or or where you're like breaking yours. Well, this guy like has elite talents, you know, that we can really point to on the football field. Even last year, he was really good, just not healthy. So, yeah, I'm a. 
it would have been cool from that perspective. But Kevin, who's there? Who's your most wanted guy that we we have a little cap now? What? Who's your most wanted guy? Uh, I think Brashad Breeland's still out there. No, Brashad Breeland. No, Brashad Breeland is on Minnesota. I posted that in the Discord. The remember I said Minnesota's signing even more cornerbacks. Dude, I've been doing. I've been doing uh, report, <laughs> report cards for the last yeah. week. I have not been in reality. <laughs> I surface for air occasionally. Yeah, Brashad Brashad Breeland. I was like, why? Why do the Vikings just keep signing quarterbacks? And then I was like, oh yeah, they're just doing what what I always say people should do, which is just sign like ten guys. For, to play a position or just sign as a bunch of guys and like two or three of them will work out. Like they, they drafted two guys last year. They signed what Patrick Peterson, Brashad Breland, and they got Mackenzie Alexander back uh, from a, from a year, uh, a year <laughs> hiatus. So yeah, they like re-signed. They're just like, they're like, Hey, well, if we throw enough guys at this, eventually some of them will be good, <laughs> which I think is a, I think it's fair. I mean, that's definitely a viable thing that you can do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let me see as far as unsigned guys go. Well, I mean, I yeah, I'm also couple. thrown off because like, I, like I know dark as Denard and a lot of these things aren't updating very well because no, people, a lot of them are designated after whatever. Well, another thing too, is people stop updating after like the big free agency period. ends. so like all these free agency trackers, they're all nicely updated. And then, and then you get to a point in the off season where it really slows down and people yeah. are just like, all right, well, we're done with that now. There's no more, no more nothing, free agency tracking here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Eric. Which is there a guy that you have your eye on? Is there an apple of your eye? Do you want a Geno Atkins? Do you want a uh, a Richard Sherman back? A KJ Wright? Do uh, you yeah. hate? Do you hate screen passes? <laughs> I actually would would like to see KJ KJ Wright back, but I think the Seahawks are going to get him at a discount. I don't know if we're going to get him at like some two point four, but he has no better value than he does for us. I think and. I don't know. I think I think KJ is just waiting. I think he and Richard Sherman are probably waiting till training camp's over. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think KJ KJ's waiting for someone to get hurt because I don't think he wants yeah. to play for less than like four million. And so he's waiting for someone to have a, a serious camp injury and then be like, "Hey, look, I'm a ready to play, like excellent linebacker that you can have for four and a half million dollars." And then someone would be like, "Oh yeah, we need that now," and just pluck him off the off the street he's just kind of waiting for his opportunity and you're right he he would he's gonna be better on our team than he would be anywhere else mostly because he just he knows the system he's ingrained in the system he's played with bobby for for so long right yeah uh, what they've been together for nine years i think so yeah it's just it's um i just don't think it's gonna end up working out we're not gonna meet his contractual demands and then that that caused a problem. And he already said, I'm not taking a hometown discount. I will live in Seattle forever, but I'm not taking a hometown <laughs> discount, I know, which I think is completely fair. He's at that point in his career where he, he needs, he wants to milk all the money out of it that he can. And I think he shouldn't a, have to. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the 49ers. Please don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Like it would that. suck if you went to like the 49ers, or the Patriots or something, you know, some team that I want to root against. Heart. And I'm just going to meet, and then I'm going to have to be like, I like kind of like the Patriots. They got KJ right now. You know, they're gonna shut down screen passes all of a sudden. Yeah. So, all right, Kevin, did you figure out your guy for uh, off season? Nope. Nope. <laughs> all right. Good. Uh, what What about that? What if it's just those three choices? What if it's Atkins, Sherman, uh, Wright? Which of those? I go with are? Atkins because that's the position group I would like. I would most like to get depth at. And we'll talk about that in a second. I uh, I feel like that's position group is getting mighty crowded. Uh, okay, Michael. They, speaking of cap room, though, we did spend some of it. Michael Dixon extend extended. We extended the Dixon. We so, extended it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, okay. I'll just say this, uh, from like a philosophical, like smart standpoint, like spending $10 million over the next two years on a punter is not good. 
But from like a how much my I love Michael Dixon standpoint, it's the sweetest move we made the whole offseason, baby. Like I'm into it. So I don't know. <laughs> He's really good at punting, but ideally he would never punt. Right. Like I, in an ideal world we he never plays, he doesn't even see the football field. So that's kind of uh, why I w- maybe don't want to spend too much money on a punter. So because I think the fact that he's so good is why Pete was like, hey, let's punt from the 38. Like that's that's part of why Pete does stupid stuff like that, because Dixon is amazing. Uh, but all right, Eric, how much did you love Dicko mode there? <laughs> how much what did you love? Oh, it's like sicko mode, but like instead it's dicko mode. I, you know, like. I, I, I know, I now understand what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very exciting. I, I don't really know the particulars of the deal. I looked at all the cool pictures, and then I didn't look at what we signed him for. So okay, so like, what are the it's like four years, fourteen and a half? But the, but there's ten point two in the first two years, and then it's only like four in the last two years. Yep. So it's very, so we're it's very, paying a lot of money for a punter for two years. Yeah, yeah, so quite high. And I mean, even the AAV 3.6 is, I think, like second in the league, right? It's definitely more than I want to be spending yes. on a punter. The, the AAV is number two behind Hecker, who makes inexplicably an AAV of $5 million. This is exactly like the Myers thing, where I really like the player and I really don't like the contract. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it... it <laughs> Here's a dumb question. Sometimes you got to put the ball on the feet of your best players. Does... <laughs> Does John Schneider see like the the market for for these type of for our special teams guys going up? I just uh, I think we had trash special teams and that was part of the year we missed the playoffs. And so I think there's a bit of a roster building thing where like never again, never again. Are we going to have a kicker who gets out of a bar, a Burka lounger and can't tackle anybody? And never again are we going to have. And it's like. The problem wasn't the the players. Like we got Larry Izzo now. It, the special teams got better because the coaching got better. Like it was, yeah, it's a little calm and a little calm B. But like Dixon was bad one year because I think the special teams coaching was poor and was not doing him any favors. Yeah, our and coverage squad just was not getting there. They were just not. Well, I think it was coaching too because like the same guys were on the coverage squad last year. It was like not a huge difference between. Well, yeah, last no, year I'm saying like the coverage scheme was not getting players in position to make yeah. tackles early, so the net punting yards were bad. Very strange. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's good. Dixon and Myers are both really good at football. It's just paying. We're going to pay punters and kickers like almost $10 million next year. That's kind of absurd. It, um, I'd rather <laughs> pay good players a lot of money than not good players a lot of money. But I'd even more rather play above average players very little money in yeah, those positions. I've, yeah, exactly. You can get guys for cheap to, to punt and kick. That's the problem. Um, yeah. And yeah. especially when you don't pick also tread like the thing is, is that the, the guys we brought in that were cheap, we brought in like these all, like guys with that are total also ends like Blair Walsh and Sebastian Janikowski and guys who just really had nothing left. That That's not how you want to do it. What you want to do is you want to bring in Jason Myers and just keep him the first time. And don't yeah, that's what I'm about to say. It turns <laughs> out we brought in a Jason Myers when he would have cost a lot less money. And yeah. then we just, you know, cut him. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. Uh, that, okay. was, that, was, that was the thing that happened. All right, last last uh, last um, question before we get into a little this or that. Uh, why hasn't Jamal Adams been extended yet, Kevin? And pe- the people want to know because they were working on that uh, that Michael Dixon extension. You know, it's oh. one at a time. You can't overextend themselves. They're they waiting. They're waiting to the last minute, like they did with Russ. And it is. Uh, oof. I think it's one of those things where a I could see them kind of wanting some 
news as camp begins that kind of gets everything energized and gets the fans back engaged. And I also think that it's just, it's a big negotiation. Like it's going to be a contested negotiation, you know, like Adams is going to want to make the most money out of any safety in the NFL. He's coming off of probably his worst season in the NFL, but there's a lot of things about injury, but then injuries also why the Seahawks don't want to sign him super long-term. So it's a really complicated contract negotiation situation uh, that is going to take a lot of time. So I can't say that I'm shocked. I just, you know, it's wait and see time, you know, but they're going to re-sign him. They have to. You don't give up those kinds of assets to pick up a player in order to just rent them for two years. Hey, Eric, what do you think? Uh, why why is that? Why have we not made a move yet? What, 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 what are they waiting for? I'm wondering if the camps are far apart. I try not to go doom and gloom here, but it seems like the perfect time. We have extra money. Maybe we were waiting for Julio Jones and to see what moves we were going to make, and maybe that's what we're doing now. Like, there's still some edge rushers out there. Uh, they're old, but you know, Melvin Ingram and what Justin Houston are still out there. I don't know what the Seahawks are going to do. They may try and get one more guy and then work on the extension that doesn't take effect. But I think you'd want to front load that contract as much as possible. Okay. At this point, so um, or said so we're gonna do a little this or that, and then I have a fun camp story. It's not even Seahawks related. I just wanted to bring it up because uh, I like I like like the fun training camp stories. So okay, but uh, here we go. In camp this year, there's gonna be some big battles, and I think I have it boiled down to just like two guys. You know, there's gonna be a, a either or choice that the Seahawks are gonna end up having to make, and I want you guys to tell me which choice you would make. All right, and I some of these are more than two people. Just sorry in advance. All right. Uh, Kevin, uh, start with you. John or Sua or Kay Johnson? Who do you think is going to win that that camp battle? Which which who do you like? Kay Johnson. Yeah, I'm going to go youth over uh, youth over beauty. Um, so or Sua well, is beautiful. Nice call. The only thing that I worry about with Kay Johnson is he was out with a groin injury uh, uh, for rookie camp, but he has a lot of time to make that up. I just think the team seen what Sua has done. And the types of players and quantity of them that they've brought in tells me that they want to replace Ursua. Like, if the team gets their way, they will have somebody they deem better on the roster. Okay. Eric, Ursua or Johnson? Uh, Johnson. I'm with Kevin there. I don't think Ursua is going to be on this team anymore. He's he's Amara Darbo 2.0. There's this guy that... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We spent a third round pick on Darbo. Yeah, isn't that so sad? I mean, calm down about that. He's not, this is a seventh round pick. Well, actually, a sixth round pick because we traded a sixth round pick for a seventh round pick. pick, Yes. Um, (laughs) Thanks for for helping me remember that we gave up a third rounder for Amara Darbo. Now I'm Uh depressed. Sure did. Uh, Yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not really, I think Ursua's had his chances and uh, there is a, it was get off the pot last year. There is a small chance that both of these guys make the team, but it would need they would need a lot of the X and Y receivers to look really bad. And because then they're keeping three slot guys, which I think is not something they want to do. Because uh, because like well, and also like Swain, Eskridge, and Lockett all have slot versatility, and Penny Hart. Right. So I don't think there's room for both of those guys on the roster, which is why I said like like I think that Thompson, Fuller, Terry, Wedgington would all have to be like really bad for both of those guys to make their roster and and kidsy too. 
so yeah, that's that's why I'm saying it's Ursua versus Johnson for that kind of backup slot guy. Penny Hart's in that mix too, but I think that they'll come down to those two guys. All right. At running back, Travis Homer or Josh Johnson? Kevin, start us off. What do you think? I'm going Josh Johnson on this one. Okay. Um, Josh Johnson was incredibly productive his junior year and then was really slowed down by injuries his senior year. Um, Travis Homer, aside from being the uh, pass blocking god himself. He is a block god. That is true. That's I was going to bring it up. Uh, DJ Dallas, you know, he that, that man knows how to pass block too. And I just think Josh Johnson kind of has a bit more that he brings as a runner. The other thing is, Homer's kind of struggled to stay healthy when he's been given any sort of a workload. And we already have Rashad Penny to fill the IR slot, IR slot from running back. So having two like that is kind of rough. So I think Johnson might end up sticking around on the practice squad, but I'm going bold here. I'm taking Josh Johnson. All right. Uh, yeah, so what I thought here is that, you know, Carson, Penny, and Dallas are pretty much shoe-ins. They, they didn't spend a fourth-round pick on Dallas just to cut him two years later. And he's not even been bad enough to justify that. And then there's probably one more running back that's going to make the roster, right? So, Eric, Homer or Johnson, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go Homer. I'm going to go with consistency in what they know. The black guy himself. Uh, Always such is, a Homer, Eric. Yes, that's me. Always. Uh, and I, it's also my favorite Simpsons character. Next to Lisa Simpson. Uh, <laughs> no, I believe Travis Homer has a better shot here. It's besides, uh, you know, why have one running back on IR when you can have two? And I think it's going to be Homer as well, mostly because I think at the end of camp, the team's going to think, hey, Johnson and Emmons, these guys are basically the same. As long as we can sneak one of them onto the practice squad, we're okay. Yes. They're going to be rooting for Johnson because I think he's slightly better, but they're, they'll be fine with either. It'll be one of those situations, you know, and they're, they're like, but we can't get Travis onto the practice squad. No one will let that happen, even though I'm sure someone would. But I'm that I'm trying to get in Pete Carroll's head. I'm, I've been chomping gum all day. All right, Kevin, I know you want to get in the trenches. I know you want to get in the trenches, but I'm going to let Eric go first. So you're going to have to wait. Cedric Ugbui or Jamarco Jones, Eric, who makes the final roster? This is this is a tough one. This is this is the biggest flip a coin of all flip a coin. Um, Jamarco Jones. Why your Tommy Champion disrespect is noted? <laughs> oh, it's it's very disrespected. Tommy Champion, uh, have fun on the practice squad. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't know even why. I think uh, I, I mean Cedric's got Cedric seems to have a better physique, um, but but Jones is bigger, and. I don't know, man. I'm just leaning Jones. I got nothing in it except for a gut feeling. That's the most Brett thing I've said on the podcast. Okay, Kevin. What All do you right. Think? I think a really important thing here with Jamarco Jones is he brings uh, guard tackle versatility. Mm-hmm. So Stone Forsythe, they're trying to lock in as the backup left tackle. They Correct. have him playing left tackle right now, and I think that's just the way it's going to be. So Jamarco Jones can play guard. He can play right tackle. Um, We don't have that tackle tight end position in the style of offense we're likely to be running. So that takes away one of the things that uh, could do. So I'm going to say that uh, I think Jamarco Jones is a finally healthy again and be able to edge out because the other pieces, I believe Cedric is making more money and cutting him would free up a little cash to sign another guy uh, either in season or at the end of camp during cuts. I think it's going to be a buoy because I think he played better last year and he, he stepped in and played, I thought pretty league average 
right tackle. He wasn't a speed bump. He was fine. And I, I'm not a huge uh, Jamarco guy. I think it's known. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with a, a buoy and a squeaker there. But I, I do think that's pretty much a coin flip, like Eric said. They're, those guys are really close together. And I with the amount of interior guys they brought in to, and they have available to back up here, uh, I don't think that the the flexibility is going to be uh, – I think they'll keep nine guys, like a guard, a guard center, uh, a, a swing tackle, a couple, and then Stone Forsyth and the two starting tackles. Anyway, uh, all right, defensive linemen. There's like 11 defensive linemen that, can, that could pre- very reasonably make this roster very easily. And, uh, and I – there's not that's too many so unless one of these guys changes positions because last year we kept nine defensive linemen for most of the season i think 10 is more reasonable considering the way that linebacker shaking out and the fact that some of these guys will probably play a little linebacker so all right who's getting canned out of these guys i'm going to read the list of 11 names and you just got to pick one that's that's going to be gone all right you guys ready mm-hmm. makes sense all right here we go carlos dunlap lj collier carrie Hyder, puna ford rasheem green Al Woods, Brian Monet, Darrell Taylor, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, Benson Mayoa, and Alden Smith. Okay, I'm disrespecting Kim DJ a little bit because I do think he has potential, but I, I, I think that he's probably just on the outs because of how – I mean, I read the 11 names that they're all pretty decent. Those are all decent NFL players. So who's getting, who's getting the axe from those guys? And it's hard to – here's the thing, I think. I think – from a skill perspective, level perspective, Monet is the obvious choice. But like, then who? There's no backup nose tackle on this roster. If you do that, I don't know. It's tough. Okay, go ahead, go go ahead, Kevin. I I know you probably already have uh, formulated your answer here. What, did what you say you? Al Woods in that? I, I missed did. It. I'm yeah. going Al Woods. I oh, think that there's. I uh, I think it's basic. I think basically Monet is going to beat out Al Woods for that spot. Okay. That and kind of, the, I think so because. Uh, I think Collier is going to be more of a three tech, which okay. means he's going to count more towards the inside. I think Rasheem Green is going to play quite a bit on the inside too, and so we're going to be a little more pass rush focused interior with Ford and Monet being kind of our two noses. Okay, so you're thinking Ford Monet playing nose, and then the three tech will be split between Rasheem Green and L.J. Collier. Like no, no, like true three tech on the roster, at least from an NFL experience perspective. Uh, well, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a mixture between, I think Collier is actually a true three tech, but that's another conversation. But like, so, but like he hasn't, he hasn't but, played it a super lot on the field. Like he played like a hundred snaps of three tech last year, right? Yes. I think Hyder will get some snaps in there. I think Alden Smith could get some snaps in there. I think it's going to be a lot of I, green and Collier. Man, I hate those Alden Smith three tech snaps that Dallas did last year. I'm like, I was like so mad when I was watching the tape. I was like, <laughs> why are you doing this? Hey, at this least is, you aren't going to drop him into coverage from three tech. This is your second best pass rusher. Stop. <laughs> like, yeah. So, okay. Anyway, uh, Eric, what, who do you think? Uh, I went between Al Woods and Kerry uh, Hyder, and I went Al Woods because uh, what he's... He's well, you think Kerry Hyder is going to get chopped? Well, hold on. This is when I was kind of thinking as you were going over the names. And then I was like, hold on, let's look at Kerry Hyder. What, how old is he? And then I was like, oh, he's younger than Al Woods, I believe, because Al Woods is like 33. He's like uh, fifth time with the Seahawks. Um, he did not play last year. And Kerry uh, Hyder is on a three-year deal, like just starting a three-year deal. So uh, Al Woods, Al Woods out, just like Kevin said, but for slightly different reasons. So I think that it really comes down to Al Woods or, or this will be a kind of a shocker LJ Collier. And I would honestly think that 
Benson Mayoa would have been a cut candidate, except for he has like he'll you lose cap if you cut Benson Mayoa. So you like probably don't want to. He's that. such a cheap, decent rotational pass rusher. Right. It's like, do you really want to pay negative one million dollars to not have him and instead have like Al Woods or LJ Collier? Probably not. So I don't know. I think you're right. Al Woods is the guy that was who I was going to pick from the start. It just it leaves us so thin on the interior. And then it if we bring another guy in to to play on the interior like a Geno Atkins, well it puts us right back in the spot we were in before. Where now we got to cut cut one of these other guys, right? So it's um it's kind of brutal. This 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 is a no, there's no Dunlap's the star, right? And I think yeah. Hyder is probably the next best guy. And then Alden Smith has a lot of has very high upside. So those guys I feel like are pretty locked in unless Smith gets suspended. I would say Puna's equally locked in. Puna and just got Puna, the contract. Puna and Taylor, right, are the are the are like homegrown guys that are probably pretty locked in too. But then all those other guys I named are pretty even in my mind. You know, they're all pretty close together. And so it's it's I think it's gonna be a pretty fierce competition. I think they're good enough that they would actually be uh, potential trade candidates instead of cut candidates too. Yes, I think we could get like sixth or seventh rounders before we cut some of those guys. Um, maybe even higher if it's we trade someone like Rasheem Green or something. Uh, okay, finally, uh, last one, cornerback. Okay, there is a few guys who I think are pretty locked in: Trey Brown, Akella Weatherspoon, DJ Reed. Okay, those guys are pretty locked in, right? And then uh, and in the slot, we got Blair and, and Amadi. So really, there's four guys competing for one spot. Are you ready to hear the names? Do mm. it. Trey Flowers versus Pierre Desir. And I, you could pick two of these depending on how you construct the roster, but I think it's really going to be one. Flowers versus Desir versus Savion Smith versus Demarius Randall. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, hard. How many? How uh, many are we keeping out of this? I didn't make myself. You could say at most two. At, At most two, but I think I think it's probably one, and I think the winner of this battle will be Pierre Desir. Um, Pierre Desir has had the best season of any of these people in the NFL. He's old, yes. so that's a down that's a downside. But I'm, uh, I'm looking at how old he is right now. Oh, he's he's a young man. It's thirty. That's in NFL years. That's like a hundred and ten. Al Woods. Al Woods is seventy five though. What I'd love to see is like Savion Smith. Uh, relearn how to run like cooper cup because really the only thing that's <laughs> the only thing that's bad about savion smith is he's slow everything yeah. else is good and then i'm like man but he's just so slow if you were a four five five instead of a four six five maybe we could do this and like kevin said before with uh with jamarco demarius has some positional flexibility i mean we're playing him at corner this year but he has a lot of nfl safety experience can kind of play around the field gives us a little extra depth um and to be honest with you, I don't know which one of these guys is the best special teamer because not a, they're not a lot of special teams experience across the board here. So uh, Dem- Demarius has the most, so maybe he's got a, a leg up. I don't know. This is tough. Uh, I'm going to go make me pick Pierre Desir because I think he's the most talented uh, outside corner, but this is a tough pick. Kevin, what do you think? I'm putting Trey Flowers on the inside track, but I'm going to go left field here. I'm going to go none of the above. I think someone who is not on the roster will take that spot. Right. Ooh, I like that. I love that, in fact. Uh, if, until we get that new guy, I'll say Pierre Desir because everyone else is either a journeyman or Trey Flowers. and, and Future Trey, journeyman? You know, I, maybe. I mean... I could see how long is it? Is it a journey from four hundred five to Renton? If you could play C minus corner in a cover three system, 
then you can play in the NFL for a while. Like that's, yeah, I, yeah. he'll he'll bounce around as teams will give him a try just because he's big, he's physical. He has shown he's put some good stuff on tape and some bad stuff on tape. But the Jets have like negative two corners. They'll give him a shot in the uh, Bob Sala system. He'll be so good with the Jets. Um, he'll, be, he'll be he'll fit in all right. So. Are you guys ready for my fun camp story? Yes, please. All right. All right. So Amari. Can't wait Cooper, to hear who's in the best shape of their life. No, Amari Cooper oh. today on his uh, Instagram story posted that he was playing chess with Micah Parsons and just kicking the, the beating the brakes off him, uh, really winning badly. And he talked a lot of trash. And I don't know, Amari Cooper, he's really, <laughs> sorry, I have the hiccups. He's really soft-spoken. And it's just like, it was so funny to hear him talking, talking crap. So uh, I don't know, the, that, the fact that we're playing chess in a locker room, I don't know, there's just so many levels to how funny it was. Like, this is the thing Amari Cooper is going to talk trash about. And uh, they're playing chess in a locker room which is so weird i don't know i just loved it i thought it was great so i think that's good because when amari cooper was on the raiders uh you know that sean gruden had no idea what chess was (laughs) i just want to take this rook mike (laughs) ah funny checkers guys let's go let's get to practice yeah the the final board state too looked very in the favor of amari cooper like he was crushing him well, I mean, I'll just say that uh, if if getting whooped in chess was what happened to Michael Parsons, considering his previous hazing experiences, dude's lucky. <laughs> Sorry, I got the, these hiccups are gonna kill me, man. I'm gonna have to, we, have to, we have to take we have to take a break or something. All right, there are, there are many ways to support this. See, this podcast. I'm leaving this in because it's kind of it's getting kind of funny. The best way to do so: head over to Patreon.com/slash Seahawks Nest or OnlyTwelves.com. Click anywhere on your screen for as little as a dollar 24 a month get access to some of our off-season content which will really pick up in the summer and uh, our in-season camp gambling and fantasy advice podcast thank you to our current patrons andy brett greta james carrie lucas ryan tom Emmanuel, astro bob casey Philoctimus, Foles, jay kieran leon michelle mike mike and mike richard sam thomas warwolf uh Sorry, Brandon and Nick. Thanks for supporting the show, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, and it helps us keep going and uh, put out that content that uh, you guys seem to uh, really enjoy. Okay. Um, Am I taking it over to Eric? Yeah. Well, Eric, anything you, goes Eric, <laughs> Eric, Eric, I'm gonna go get a glass of water. Eric is gonna. Eric, I said Eric should should like run Movie Club this week anyway because Eric has been getting really into one specific director. And so, Eric, uh, tell us what movie we're doing today. Uh, I guess we're gonna do Bone Tomahawk. Is this correct, uh, Kevin? That is correct. Okay, and uh, reason why we're doing Bone Tomahawk is it's directed and written by S. Uh, Stephen Craig Zoller. S. Craig Zoller is what he goes by, though. I think it's just too funny. Uh, do you know why? Because it's more pretentious? No, usually that happens because uh, to be part of the different guilds for um, acting and for writing and stuff, you have to have a unique name. And so really? people usually have to throw in like an initial. So probably in real life, he goes by Craig, but he had to put the S there because there was already a Craig Zayler somewhere because, you know, he was like the fifth cameraman on a documentary about chimpanzees in 1981 like stuff like that happens all the time it's pretty funny as a side hustle you need to write the little uh things at the before amc movies you know that'll explain things because you're way better at the trivia than they are 
<laughs> so uh, S. Craig Zoller has uh, written and directed a few movies, including Bone Tomahawk, which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, what is it? Attack on if, Cell Block 99? If you attack, yeah, but before we go, if, oh. this is going to be very spoilery. And if you don't want spoilers, you've never seen this movie, just uh, turn the podcast off, go watch it, and then come back. Uh, it's because, on Hoopla, which means you just need a library card to see it. Yeah, it's 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 not too uh, it's not too difficult to uh, to get your hands on. It used to be on Amazon Prime. It's not on Amazon Prime anymore. And before that, it was on it Netflix. It, it will right. pop up again. Yeah, he's pretty hot right now for uh, Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine and Dragged Across Concrete. He also has some uh, some writing credits of varying natures, including a couple of potentially upcoming movies that are pretty cool looking. Yeah. Uh, either way, we'll go into Bone Tomahawk. I think we've done this movie a couple of years ago. But I don't think we did do this movie. Uh, I thought I th- we mentioned it when we were talking about unique horror for a Halloween yeah, special, like maybe we, three or four years ago. But it, it didn't yeah. get the full treatment. I agree. That makes sense. Uh, Kevin, do you want to give us a, a rough uh, plot of Bone Tomahawk? All right. So in the movie Bone Tomahawk, um, basically it starts off in a dusty uh, like Old West town. And you have your sheriff, Kurt Russell, who's, uh, you know, distributing uh, hard scrabble justice. And uh, in the immediate after- aftermath of establishing the town as like a thing, they have um, a raid in the middle of the night. And the raid is performed by uh, a band of, I guess we're going to go with troglodyte is the term they end up using, uh, Native Americans, uh, <laughs> cave dwellers, as it is said. Um, they're basically, uh, a race of cannibalists or, uh, sorry, not a race, a, a tribe of cannibalistic, uh, Native Americans who, um, basically raid in, hunt down some people and capture them and bring them back. They're also, for, uh, food uh, stores. it's, this is a kind of, a... and the rest of it is like the group, basically, uh, uh, Kurt Russell forms a posse and they go out to get, uh, Patrick Wilson's wife back. If I remember correctly. Yes, this is true. And this is kind of falls into the kind of sub horror genre because it's very spooky because the uh, native American tribe, they uh, you find out, you don't really know how they're doing it, but they make these like strange howling noises and you find out that they basically just, they, they do some body modification to their chest, almost like a piercing in their throat and uh, it basically causes this whistle and this howl anytime they want to. They basically make a recorder out of uh, part of their, what is it, their chest bone? Is that correct? Yeah, it's something like that or yeah. like through their throat. Uh, it's really cool, though, because they have, you know, they bring in the expert tracker. And that's the person who identifies him. And he's a Native American guide. And he basically gets to be the hype man where he's like, y'all are hunting the boogeyman. You know, uh, no, I will not take you there. I will point it out on a map and I might get murdered for doing that. So yeah. don't bring, you know, keep my name out your mouth. It's, it's this really nice way of kind of setting it up where, uh, it's, it's a quick, subtle hype. So you know that they're getting into what could be a messed up situation. And from there, the movie just gets progressively more and more brutal. Yes. And very intense. Uh, one thing I, one thing that that's crazy though, is that like, it's the first shot is super like intense and gruesome, but then they kind of give you a break and lull you into a false sense of security, uh, which I think is, uh, is very, yeah, the cl- travel part a, turns into like kind of generic Western. Yeah. It's, it's very, uh, it's kind of like a clever way to get you to kind of forget the like the horrors of what is happening, which I think is, uh, it's, 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 it, it the structure of the movie is really smart is what I'm saying. 
uh, it's it's well put together. Yeah, I I think that's what I like about Zala though is he always has these intense scenes. Then he gives you a little bit of a break from them, and then without much warning, you just get this this slam you're back into an intense situation. Yeah, the other thing I like is so eventually when you get to the climax of the movie, um, they get captured and they're kind of strung up um, oh. within the cave. And you get a few scenes where, you know, uh, you have people having limbs broken, they're being cut open, and they do it with pretty minimal blood. And it's this way of having these, like, pretty intensely violent, pretty interesting scenes without it being so much a gore fest as it is, like, you know, when you're watching an action movie and the person get, get, gets kicked in the knee and it bends the wrong way, and you're just like, oh... It's a bunch of those like uh, there's this one part where like right before the end of the movie where Kurt Russell gets dragged out, his feet are tied together, he gets knocked out and the dude slashes open his belly um, and uh, takes his red hot hip flask and inserts it inside. And it's there's very little blood and it's definitely not a gory scene but it's just pretty horrifyingly violent. Yes. It's, it's just very brutal. Intense. Every kill in this movie is super raw and brutal. There's the one scene, and I know that we're, it's, it's the one super gory scene, and it reminds me of every one of Zoller's movies has one scene where you're just like, oh, and uh, that's, that's probably just the, the one scene. And Kurt Russell, his reaction to this scene in the movie is, it's perfect because it's your reaction as well. It's just, <laughs> he has a sickening look on his face and like hopelessness. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, in my opinion, my favorite scene is when the dude comes in and he's like trying to figure out where everyone is. And he calls out a couple of times and he goes up like that rampway into like, you know, the butcher's doorway that Leatherface comes out of. Yeah. And I, as soon as he steps up, you see Leatherface come out and he hits him over the head with the meat hammer. And it's just like this absolutely sickening crack sound. Yes. And it is more horrible and it sticks with me more than the goriest scene in any Saw movie or Hostel or any of those. Like, like gore porn is just not my it when it comes to horror. And it's because when everything's that bloody and violent then nothing's bloody or violent, this is a good this is a good example of like it pools its violence so that you have these moments where you're like it's gruesome on a different level that sticks with you there there's something like i understand why he paced it slow you know because he's doing a western right but like i do think that the it could have been tightened up for sure this could i don't know and is this movie this movie specifically uh, I think the other movies are actually slightly better, but this is like the first one, you know, so it's like the one I want to t- that I thought was good to talk about. Um, and I think it's, um, I don't know, it's a little edgy for edginess's sake more than there's less purpose, I felt like, than than maybe in some of his uh, his later films. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and also there's bad lighting. They like hit <laughs> they they hid what was going on behind crummy lighting sometimes and i just don't like that uh but richard jenkins is awesome in this movie richard jenkins is awesome in everything i yeah. mean that's not like that's not like a like a real crazy statement but like he rules in this movie and 
I'm I was like, yeah, that I think he was like the MVP of this movie. Oh so. man, the scene when uh, uh the mayor's wife comes in after the kidnapping and uh, Kurt Russell's organizing the posse and the mayor's wife's like, you should have said something to the mayor and uh, Richard Jakes is like well that's on me i was supposed to and i got sidetracked doing this and this and i'm old <laughs> i forgot and he just kind of like goes into it that way and the, the the wife's like you expect me to believe that well i was certainly hoping you would <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like that summarizes the character beautifully it's it's got a great cast all around though i i actually really like patrick wilson i, I liked him in Watchmen, which is uh not like a, a super well or uh, super awesome movie, I should say, but I liked his performance in it. I've liked him ever since. Um, it's it's also got um, Sid Haig and David Arquette, I believe. Do I have the right Arquette? It's David Arquette. That right? is the correct Arquette, yes. Okay, hold on. I can, uh, former I can, former I can WCW champion, David Arquette. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like Watchmen, just to, to sidetrack on the way, that, that movie's just a test. Like, How much do you care about production design and visual effects? The more that that matters to you, the higher your ranking of that movie will go because it's basically Fact. it's basically perfect in those two areas like it is yes. 100% but like everything else is Story. real a real mixed bag and so Story so like if, coin flip yeah so but anyway sorry for sidebar uh, I actually just looked at this Matthew Fox is in this movie which yeah. if you don't know who Matthew Fox is uh I didn't either until I clicked him I'm like oh that guy that guy you, you don't it's remember it. the guy he's from Lost uh, I didn't watch Lost. I, Do you remember the guy from my boyfriend's back? Thank you, Kevin. Yes, now I know. Uh, smoking aces. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just kind of got like a. Uh, I don't know if it's a Tarantino esque crew, but a a crew of people that you're like, oh, I've seen that person before. What's What's Matthew Fox's greatest role, and why is it Why is it playing Racer X in the Speed Racer movie? Thanks. I agree. I agree. I will, uh, <laughs> I will, no, wow. no, no, no further questions. I do enjoy that movie. <laughs> Anything else on this, guys, that you uh, you want to touch on, or, okay. or any of the other movies? Um, sure. It's pulpy, and it's uh, it's it's a western genre mashup. It's it's fun, but but like I would say, if you're gonna watch one of this director's movies, don't pick this one. Watch watch uh, watch Brawl Across in Cell Block Ninety Nine or Dragged Across Concrete. Watch one of the other ones. I think this is third out of of the three. Uh, I'll say for, this for me. Dragged across concrete, which Kevin has not seen. That movie is a build because it is pretty slow at the beginning, slow until the first third. And then it just, it's like a locomotive. It just starts going and going until the end. And it's, it's a, it's still a Zoller movie for sure. Well, it's two and a half hours long. It's like half a Zack Snyder movie. What's... <laughs> That's the problem. Uh... <laughs> those, those his movies, movies are, are his movies are long yeah it, maybe that's why i'm like ho-hum on all of them like i would give almost all of them a three i think maybe a three and a half for uh, yeah. for dragged across concrete because i do think um, it had the most interesting things going on but and i gave bone tomahawk a three i just think it's a really interesting three i think it did something pretty unique um it makes me really interested in so the movies he has coming out that are both uh writing credits um, one of them's uh, Race of the Broken Land, which is based on a book. Uh, it's going to be a Ridley Scott production, which means it's probably going to have pretty good production value. And the book is supposed to be really brutal, which means that the movie is probably going to be really brutal. And I think he does those types of scenes well written. Um, and the other one is he's comboing with Park Chan-wook, the director of Old Boy. Um, he wrote the script for a 
uh, for a movie that's called The Brigands of Rattle Creek. And that's just that the combination of the guy who wrote Bone Tomahawk and the director of Old Boy. Like, why would you ever pass that up? Fair question, Kevin. So, okay, let's talk about this. Who says no? Can we can we talk about the scene a little bit? Like, yeah, let's not like not like going into detail, but like, like, what do you? Okay, so pretty intentionally, I think they hide a lot in this movie until that point. What do you what do you think though? Like the purpose of that is like what is because it it does feel to me a little bit like you get to this point and then it's like ha ha tricked you you know gotcha like here it comes. And I, I, I'm curious, like, do you guys see like a greater uh, purpose to that? Or are we just trying to like, you know, share Are we just trying to like emotionally connect with Sheriff Hunt as he like has to watch his friend, like, just keep getting more and more brutally uh, just brutalized. brutalized. Yeah, I, I think Zala really in, in the three movies we talked about, he tries to emotionally break slash emotionally connect with you like he wants to break you while connecting with you in in one scene in every movie or a couple scenes and this is that scene in that movie it's everything is building to a scene that happens and then it it's the rest of the movie and that's what i think he does and he does it pretty well here because that scene is pretty you can always say like have you seen bone tomahawk be like oh yeah i like that movie yeah that scene and people like oh yeah, it's it's a little bit much. It's kind of like I feel like he's super happy Lars von Trier. That's my that's my Zoller take. <laughs> it went a, it Lars like, von Trier movies are awful, but it, these it movies are a really long time. These movies are kind of like they're downers a little bit, but they're really good. It's I don't know. It's just I like yeah. It's um, it's just intense. Like it just it's it's like too much, you know. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Kevin, you got anything to say about it? or I think I said my piece. Okay, all right. Uh, for Kevin, for Eric, we will uh, see everyone next week. Go Hawks.